flowers of the rarest bring blossoms the fairest from garden and woodland and hillside and dale. Our full hearts are swelling, our glad voices telling the praise of the loveliest flower of the bear. O Mary, we crown thee with blossoms today, Queen of the angels and Queen of the bear. O Mary, we crown thee with blossoms Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning, and this, of course, the first Sunday in May. Welcome into the program again this morning to help me produce the program. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you, Shane. How are you? Good morning, John, and how are we doing this May morning? Wasn't that a lovely way to start the program, of course, that traditional song, and then the traditional uh, recording of it, of course, is uh, Flower of the May, um, um, and of course it was being sung by uh, Canon Sidney, what's his surname again, John? McEwen. McEwen, yes. Yeah. He was a convert and eventually uh, became a priest in Scotland, I understand, uh, is the history of that gentleman. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a firm favourite of many people. I was listening to RTE on just last, uh, during the week when it was the 1st of May, and the amount of different programmes that got that request in to play um, Queen of the May uh, was absolutely amazing. So it was all through the day. It just, it, just, it just goes to show. So as you said, John, good morning. It's a May morning. And of course, we're into the month of May, which of course is Mary's month. And as we open this morning's programme, of course, we want to welcome all our listeners and in particular those who are uh, sick and unable to travel in a particular way, we welcome them on our Sunday morning program. 
And of course, on Sunday morning, so we go out uh, 10 to 11 on Western Mic 102. And of course, we repeat it every Sunday night. It's 11 to 12, John. That's right. That's right. And also available on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Yeah, and I believe you're adding to my stress levels. You've got another means of communication this week. I am very, very important, Shane, but there's no way to keep people like you on your toes. Uh-huh. Just, uh, just to help out our listeners, some of those who mightn't have computers and so on and so forth mightn't be able to email us at sacredspace102 at gmail.com. But what they can do, we have now got our own text text number. And for listeners, whoever want to text in with a comment, a request, a question, Whatever. Maybe you'd like us to have somebody on the programme at some stage. Our text number, 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. And of course, if you call in from abroad or text in from abroad, that would be 003538760886867. Just another little layer for you, Shane, but I'm no, I know you can handle that. So, welcome again to listeners, as uh, Shane said. And if you, if again, if you've got any suggestions in regard to how we develop the program further, give us a text on 087 or email us at sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Busy program this morning, um, but we'll leave that for a second. Shane might just introduce us to a few saints for the week, please, Shane. Sure, John. So uh, for those that are keeping an eye on the calendar, obviously it is the sixth week of Easter. God is flying so fast. It's hard to believe Easter actually only has about another two weeks to go till Pentecost. So uh, so this week's saints, John, for those maintaining the Psalter, we're praying week two. So then on Monday, the 7th of May, we have an unusual feast day, John. I, I, I had to go looking for this one on the calendar. So the 7th of May is the feast day of the apparition of the Holy Cross over Jerusalem. And it happened in 351 AD, around Pentecost, when a luminous image of the Holy Cross stretched from Mount Golgotha to the Mount of Olives, which is about a distance of about two miles for anyone that has never been to Jerusalem. It was brighter than the sun and lasted for several hours. So that is on the 7th of May. Uh, then on the 8th of May, we have on the Irish calendar the Feast of Blessed John Sullivan. Now, John Sullivan is one of our newly beatified Jesuits. He was a convert. Uh, uh, he was born Church of Ireland. And he... Uh, sorry, I've lost my page. He was born in Dublin in 1861, and he was baptized St. George's Church of Ireland in Temple Street and was brought up in that particular tradition. He uh, went to school in Enniskillen and then studied at Trinity College in Dublin. And then at the age of 35, he converted to Catholicism. I think uh, the influence there might have been his mother. I'm not 100% sure on that one. He entered the Jesuits in 1900 and was ordained a priest in 1907. And he spent most of his time working in Congo's College in uh, County Kildare and had a, a very strong reputation for holiness and a person of prayer. And he died in 1933. And he was beatified in Gardner Street, Francis Saviour's Church in Gardner Street in Dublin in 2017. So that's Blessed John Sullivan on the 8th of May. Then on the 9th of May, we have a feast day of Blessed Carolina Gerhardinger. She is a German saint. And I went a bit far afield to find her. She was um, born... Sorry... She was Bavarian, which is in South Germany. Currently, Bavaria is in the news because the Bavarian government has actually requested that all public buildings have a cross because Bavaria is very much traditionally associated with being a Catholic part of the country. And the bishops 
the bishops in Germany have strongly disapproved of this, and then the nuncio in Switzerland has strongly disapproved of the bishops in Germany. But that gets all a bit complicated. Back to our saint, Blessed Carolina, she was a, at the time, 1809, the Bavarian government kicked out and closed down all the religious orders. Then there was a negotiation with the, with the Holy See, and the religious orders reopened in 1828, and she founded a congregation called the Sisters the School Sisters of Notre Dame. So that's why her feast day is on the 9th of uh, May. The 10th of May is the feast day of St. Comgall of Bangor. He's on the Irish calendar. Uh, he's known as one of the 12 apostles of Ireland. He was a spiritual student of St. Fenton and St. Kieran of Clonmacnoise, friend of St. Brendan and Cormac, Kevin of Glendalough and Fenbar of Moville. And he was ordained a priest. He was a spiritual teacher of St. Cronin Mucha, very well known in the Irish tradition lived in Bangor. He found the monastery of Bangor in, uh, in County Down around 552. Uh, he was also a spiritual teacher of our own St. Lua of Limerick, uh, who's a new one. I hadn't heard of him before, actually. And he was a missionary to Scotland and to the Picts. And he died in 601 at Bangor Abbey in County Down. Then on Friday, we have the feast day of St. Cryoton of MacReddon. Now, with a name like that, you would have thought he was Irish. That's not actually the case. He's a Cornish saint. So he's associated with Cornwall in uh, just south of England. Um, he inadvertently, after, now I had to look at this one a couple of times when I saw his biography. After inadvertently killing his father, I'm not quite sure how one inadvertently kills one's father, uh, he withdrew from the world to live as a swineherd. He was a spiritual son of St. Petroc, who is one of the main saints of Cornwall. He travelled to Ireland to study with the holy men in Ireland for 20 years. And he returned to Cornwall to found a church in San Creed, I think it's how it's pronounced. And he died sometime in the 7th century of natural causes. So then, uh, finally, next Saturday, there's a couple of saints. It's St. Nerosus and Achilles and St. Pancras. And they're all martyrs of, uh, of the early church, dying around 290. Sorry, dying around 304, I beg your pardon, in Rome. And for, for publicly proclaiming their faith. Now, what's interesting about St. Pancras in particular, he was 14 when he suffered victory, the martyrdom. And I think, John, the, there's a train station in London called St. Pancras, isn't there? That's right, that's right. Yep. Yes, it's named after this guy because St. Pancras relics were brought to England by St. Augustine of Canterbury when he came to bring Christianity to England. So that's why you have that link with the UK. And then finally, folks, just to note... Next Sunday is the 13th of May, and in the calendar, that would normally be the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. But because it falls on a Sunday in Easter, this year, on, uh, the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima is not celebrated liturgically in the Universal Church. Now, as it also happens, because of the changes the bishops made in the Irish calendar a number of years ago, next Sunday happens to be Ascension Sunday for the Irish Church. And this is where things are going to get a bit complicated. For those who are our listeners on the blog and check in on the podcasts, it will depend where you are in the world. Because some countries still have Ascension Thursday, and then some countries have Ascension on the Sunday. So Ireland has Ascension on the Sunday, as does the UK, as do some parts of the US. So it just depends where you are. So just bear with us for next week. But just in terms of feast days, uh, next Sunday would have been the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, but it's not celebrated universally this year. John, I know I'm way over time. No, it's Shane. Thank you so much for that. Wow, well, well, that, that pile of information, and thank you for for walking us really through the the Ascension Sunday and the Feast of the Ascension. You did mention Fatima. Just one reminder to people, um, mm-hmm. if they wish to tune in to EWTN next Saturday evening 
half past eight uh, for the candlelight uh, procession from Lewis direct. That's at 8.30, EWTN next Saturday. You mean yeah. from Fatima, yeah? From Fatima, excuse me, sorry, direct uh, from Fatima. Yeah. Um, now we'll have a spiritual communion prayer for all those people who couldn't get to Mass this morning uh, to receive Jesus, but this is a spiritual communion prayer to receive Jesus into their souls. John, before you do the prayer, can I just make one yes. point just about, for people that can't get to Mass? Mm. So just, just as something that people are aware of, a lot of people, of course, will tune in to either the television or uh, the long wave on the radio to pick up Mass on a Sunday morning. Mm. And it's around 11 o'clock, so it's perfect timing. It's straight after Sacred Space, <laughs> uh, if you can get the long wave. But for those of you also that are have access to the Internet, or maybe who could ask your family to give you a computer for an hour. There is a website called churchtv.ie which broadcasts masses from different churches around Ireland because they have a camera in the church. Mm. So, for example, uh, sometimes for me, um, given where I am at the moment with various different things, I will tune in to the Glenstall Mass and it is at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning and it's broadcast on that particular uh, churchtv.ie. So just if anyone wants is looking for a resource... Obviously, there's other ones as well. You can tune into EWTN, which will have their own masses, plus the masses from the Vatican. Uh, but those ones, uh, church, churchtv.ie, is actually Irish churches, including uh, St. John's of the Cathedral, Glenstall, the Redemptress in Limerick, different times. You'd have to check the website. And it just uh, if for those that may not be able to get out to Mass. But, John, sorry, you were going to say we no, want to but, have the spirit communion prayer. But just to expand on that, Shane, um, those masses are actually come from UK as well because I often tune in myself. So really, Mass can be heard any time from about 6.30 in the morning right the way through to uh, nearly half seven in the evening from mm. va- various parts of the UK, County Limerick, including Abbey Field. Yeah, OK. But anyway, uh, we will now have this spiritual communion prayer for those people again who, who can't receive Jesus at the Mass this morning. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. This could be in the month of May. We're trying to, to stay as much as we can, especially today, on hymns to Our Lady. And this one is a favourite by a lot of people. It's entitled Ave Maria, and this time it's sang by Andrea Bocelli. So come back and join us again in part two. Oh 
So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Kelly, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And of course, this being the month of May, a special program we decided to dedicate today, especially part two, to our lady. Shane, you come up with an idea there a few weeks ago. Yeah, people probably, sometimes when it comes to the radio program, myself and John, we come up with a great idea. So we came up with the idea, we'll do a Marian program. And then it was a case of, well, what exactly are we going to do? So yeah. uh, we asked around. And it's kind of a case of, well, how do you do a program talking about your mother? Because, of course, May is the month of Mary. And that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about. So we have two parts to the next part of the program. The first one is, um, as people know, we're now online with podcasts. And these are kind of recordings we put on the Internet and on iTunes and all the rest of it. But podcasts are very popular all over the world. So we went up and see who else has talked about Mary in podcasts. And we came up with these uh, snippets, which we put together like a little bit of a vox pop. Um, what are they called again, John? Uh, totus, to, to, I think Totus Tuus, isn't it? Totus Tuus. Totus Tuus is the group that does the Vox Pop. Mm. What's the, the, the name of the, is, or something about Mary is the name of the Vox Pop. Mm. So that's what we're going to, we're right. going to broadcast. Mm. Mm. And then as well as that, we asked our friend Mary Keating to come back into studio to record for us a reflection on May as the Marian month. Now, people might remember Mary was here with us before Christmas and did a beautiful reflection on what Christmas would mean for those uh, and the pro-life message. So, and that had a huge reaction from, from people. I think we're almost at 2,000 hits uh, for people who listened into that particular reflection. Um, so we asked Mary if she'd come back and share with us her experience of May as the month and her relationship with Mary as well. So that's what we're going to have now in the second part of the program. My name is Teresa. I come from Portugal. And uh, Mary is, well, she's the beginning of everything. She's the, the one who said yes. She's the mother of Christ. And thanks to her, we, we have our Savior, our Redeemer, our Sustainer. And she was the, the beginning of everything. She's very important to us. She's the mother of Christ, the mother of our Savior. She's everything to me, really. My name is Raphael Krasnodepsky. I'm from, well, Birmingham originally, but my parents were um, Polish immigrants, wartime immigrants. And you want me to talk about Mary? Uh, Mary, the biggest example for Mary is her trust. She's, for me, is the, um, the epitome of trust in God because she, there she was and this angel appeared from nowhere and said all these really profound things. And she's like, uh, I mean, that imagine that the problems and the... The, the anxieties we have in life and we don't trust. I mean, that's pretty anxious to go to. We don't know what age she was. We, we, we believe she was a young girl. And comes up, well, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I mean, imagine if that happened to you or anybody. It'd be like, oh, her total 100% trust. And then later on, so she pondered these things in her heart. I think I heard somebody once say that um, that was the beginning of theology pondering in her heart so she's the mother of theology but this is all academic but for me she's just the epitome of trust and when I don't trust and when I lose confidence and lose faith I ask her and I say can I trust like you and that's that's what she is for me she's, she's my model and mother of trust in God Hello, 
my name is Shauna. I'm 27 years old and I'm from London. Um, recently I, I went to a healing mass um, after my friend invited me and here I really experienced the powerful intercession of Our Lady and um, a real experience of healing and the presence of the Holy Spirit and she really undid a lot of knots in, in my relationship with Jesus and brought me closer to Jesus where I learnt that there's no fear within within his presence and um, there's no fear surrendering in his arms. And since that I really feel that Our Lady has been, um, my awareness of Our Lady has been kind of guiding me more each day and um, I feel her embrace and and just her tenderness guiding us in all, all my kind of tricky situations or challenges and giving me courage every day. My name is Michael, originally from Nigeria. Um, I would say a blessed mother is my heavenly mother. I've been consecrated to her for, for almost, uh, or perhaps more than 20 years now. And um, I would say her role, uh, her role in my life has been one of uh, maternal solicitude for my salvation. Um, I can't quite put into words what uh, she has done for me, but uh, in, in, in short I would say she, she's very solicitous for my uh, salvation and as a mother she knows best what is good for her children. My name is Ella. I'm from Hong Kong. Uh, I think Mary grabs my hand way back in 2000. I was baptized long time, but I don't have a devotion to her. And I don't think praying rosary is a modern way, uh, also not ecumenical. So until 2000, um, I would know a community who has great love of Mary. And with the introduction of a brother, Niall actually, that uh, we start to pray a rosary together and this is my first full rosary okay then I went to Medjugorje and I went again and again since 2001 and I already went 20 times from China to Medjugorje and Mary has been holding my hand she's been waiting for me and finally I realized that how much she has, she has loved me and how long she has waited for me so this is something I'm grateful when I really discovered that in Medjugorje. And now, when I go to Medjugorje, friends want to join me. So over the last 10 years, uh, I start to bring groups to Medjugorje from China. And every year there are 50, 70 people we go together. And it's always a call from Mary, it's not me, because I'm just the one who's helping to bring along. Once I bring them there, that's Mary's responsibility. So, um, so I want her to be more loved, which she is surely much loved in China. But the way she loved, I hope the more people will know um, how she is right now, loving us in through her messages. So I offer everyone uh, in China to Mary, and I hope that Mary will have the key to open the world of salvation in China until the second coming of Jesus. 
All praise and glory to our Lord. Amen. Eileen, I was born in Northern Ireland, but I've lived in London most of my life. I absolutely adore Our Lady, and I thank her more and more each day. Um, my mother died about eight years ago, and um, now, now Our Lady has taken over the duty of being my mother. And, and, and I, you know, we are so lucky to be born Catholics and to have this wonderful faith. Program. Um, I'm joined again by one of my colleagues who joins me actually every Monday night at Lecture Divine in Newcastle West. Mary Keating, how are you? I'm very good, John. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for joining me this morning. The idea is that Mary and myself said we would share just our own little thoughts on Our Lady and marriage devotions and so on and so forth. Mary, where, where, where would you like to start off with? Well, I suppose in thinking about your uh, invitation to come and share on Mary, uh, just like uh, I had to think long and hard about my Christmas sharing, mm. um, I suppose what prompted me to agree on this occasion was maybe the coincidence or God incidence that this particular month of May and this year of 2018, for the first time in the in the life of the church, we have a special feast day or a memorial uh, devoted to Mary, which will take place on the Monday after Pentecost um, Sunday. So I suppose to mark the beginning of that special maybe um, appreciation in the church for Mary as mother, I uh, my the tone of my reflection is 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 on the the topic of Mary as mother, because that's the way I see Mary and I relate to Mary as mother. So, um, um, and Mary as mother of the church, uh, I suppose of all the beautiful names given to Mary, such as Our Lady of all the different places that we love, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Knock, Our Lady of Medjugorje, very close to my own heart, Queen of Peace, Immaculate Conception. I mean, the list of names, beautiful names that apply to Mary, you know, can go on and on. But I think the name Mother is the most encompassing of all. And I suppose in a way it fits that Mary as Mother answers to so many different names, just as our earthly mothers are called so many different names. So I'm answered to Mom, Mom, Mammy, Mama, Mummy, Mummy. I mean, as a teacher, I suppose, at school, I had to kind of try and remember what each child called their mother, because if you said Mom when it was Mom, you know, you, they felt you weren't talking about the same person. Like so, so and uh, so, I think that the spiritual title for mother, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of encompasses all the other names as well, and uh, it's as unique and it's as special as the name that people apply to their own mother within their own family home. And I think that Mary's mother is even more important than ever to highlight in these times when uh, motherhood is under attack. I think that if girls or women in crisis pregnancies could look to Mary as a source of inspiration, hope and courage, it would help them to overcome their fear of an unplanned pregnancy. Mary was a young teenage girl, engaged but not married, with no home of her own, no income of her own, and living in a country where giving birth outside of marriage was not accepted. 
But in spite of all of these obstacles and the extraordinary circumstances of her pregnancy, uh, she trusted and she said yes to the new life within her. And Jesus was born into our world um, through her yes and her trust. And my, I suppose a very deeply held wish and hope of mine at this time in our country would be that all girls or women tempted to make difficult choices out of fear or pressure could follow Mary's model of motherhood and then they would be blessed too with the fruit of their wombs and our world would be blessed by the babies um, who would be born as a result of their yes in trust. So that's one aspect of Mary as mother that that I suppose I wanted to kind of maybe uh, reflect on. And then I, I also want to go on then to see, you know, uh, Mary speaks to me also because in her I see so many mothers that I know, including my own mother, God rest her, who took such pride in the achievements of their children. They are prepared to stay quietly in the background, putting in the work of rearing their children and then delighting in their success and also suffering in their pain. Mary always points the way to Jesus, never to herself. Uh, For example, at the wedding feast of Cana, even though she was the one who noticed that the young couple were out of out of or had run out of wine, Mm. she said to the workers, do whatever he says. And it is a big feature of the messages of Our Lady of Medjugorje also that in her messages uh, to the visionaries, she's always referring to Jesus and encouraging uh, the followers to follow his way, to follow the way of her son. And it reminds me of my of my own mother, her pride in us. You know, if there was any mm. little yeah. little photo in the paper of us being on a team or, you know, yeah. playing some part in a local organisation yeah. or yeah. weddings and graduations, those photos and little clippings were cut out and kept in her special box. It's the stuff of mothers to talk about their children. And it's lovely that in doing that, they are doing what Mary as mother also did. And I love that link with Mary. And then I further go on then, because I suppose in my role as a teacher, I, I so much saw the absolute value of uh, the role that mothers played in the nurturing of their children. Um, um, we, and in, and in, especially in the, maybe the, their faith formation. We know that Jesus, being the Son of God, was perfectly formed already and equipped for his role as Messiah and Saviour. But being human, especially at a very young age, where environment or nurture, as the, 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 you know, the, the philosophers you know, who debate these things, mm-hmm. even going back to Plato and Descartes and all, there's always that constant debate about nature versus nurture or genetics versus environment. And, and uh, environment plays a huge part in the formation of children, particularly uh, from a young age. And I'm sure that the influence of Mary as mother in his home added greatly to the God nature that was already in him from birth. And in this um, also uh, uh, the care with which the mother in every home gives to their children. The influence of a mother on the faith development of her child is a real treasure in the life of the church. The mother who teaches a child to bless him or herself, say a simple night or morning prayer or a prayer before meals, takes the child to mass, and in and constantly in the living out of daily life gives examples of love and care in the family home or to neighbours is making a huge contribution to the faith development of our child, which can be added to in the school life and in the parish life, but never replaced. And linked with that then, um, I can't help saying how 
kind of saddened, maddened, I suppose is probably a more honest word, I get on behalf of mothers when some um, uh, vocal advocates for the ordination of women seem to think and say that it's only as an ordained priest that a woman can make a full contribution to the life of the church. I think that when God chose to send his son into the world through the womb of a woman and allowed him to be formed and nurtured within the family life to the age of 30, he was acknowledging the contribution of women to the life of the church in a most profound and beautiful way. If women are ordained to the priesthood, and just as ordained men do, commit to a single and chaste life, well then, who will be the mothers of the future uh, generations of priests? In whose wombs will they be made flesh? In whose homes will they, the seed of their faith be nourished? I wonder. I feel very strongly about the lack of recognition and appreciation uh, for this most profound role of women in the church by those who advocate the ordination of women as the only important role. Mary, as mother of Jesus, modelled so beautifully for us uh, this uh, powerful role of the influence of a mother. She was not ordained, but she was chosen by God to be a mother. This is good enough endorsement for me. And I have one more little little thing. It's the prayer, uh, particularly the second part of the Hail Mary, the part of the Holy Mary. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I was lucky enough a good number of years ago to be at a talk where a priest drew our attention to the power of the last two lines of that prayer. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Imagine that every time that we pray the Hail Mary, which must be the most prayed prayer that was ever prayed, we are asking our mother, and mothers always listen, to pray for us at the hour of our death. I personally find great consolation in that, especially now in the maybe the, the era that we live in with maybe maybe priests being maybe scarcer than we would like and maybe maybe they may not be uh, available to come and attend to all of us at the time of our death but but we can have the consolation of knowing that Mary is praying for us at the time of our death and I suppose from the from the time that I heard that prayer I always prayed it for my mother particularly when she was in more failing health and then she died suddenly there wasn't an opportunity to have the priest with her when she died but I got fierce a consolation from the fact that I prayed that prayer you know on her behalf every night and it brought me great consolation and I'll finally finish now with maybe a little reference to my love of Mary as mother that I always kind of took an opportunity to kind of pass on to the children in my care during my teaching career Um, particularly you know we took the occasion of Mother's Day when the children always made a little card for their earthly mother and we always then got a nice little picture of Holy Mary our mother or Heavenly Mother and stuck it in and uh, you know, reminded the children that they had two mothers. They had their earthly mother and they had their heavenly mother. And then we would uh, celebrate uh, uh, the fact that Mary was our heavenly mother by giving her the best gift, which she has told the visionaries in Medjugorje, that the best gift we can give her is to say a Hail Mary. So we would say that. And, and I would hope, and I, I have reason to believe, because as some of the children would often, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in their own little way, referred to Mary as mother, that I would hope that it would be a memory that they would treasure and it would maybe sustain them as they go through life as it has.
sustained me. So that's the end of my reflection. Hopefully that it has uh, maybe um, uh, touched some hearts and some cards with some people. Mary, thank you so much for sharing some wonderful, encouraging thoughts with us. And I'm sure we'd all like to maybe listen back to them again at some other sites. In the meantime, we have to go for our final bit of music. Would you mind introducing the final bit of, uh, sorry, this is the final bit, the bit of music just to play us out for this last part of the programme, please? The piece of music that we will hear now is a beautiful Irish hymn uh, called Awira Water. Mary, thank you very much indeed. You might join us again sometime. Thank you. God It'll bless you. It'll be my pleasure, John. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, uh, joined by Shane still on the Skype line. Um, I hope you enjoyed the second part of those reflections, uh, Mary Keaton, of course, and also the Box Bob. This part of the program is we read and reflect on the Word of God for the Sunday Gospel, and before that, Shane prays this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you, Shane. 
Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Jen. So the Gospel for today, which is the sixth Sunday of Easter, taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 9 to 17. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my own joy may be in you and your joy be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. A man can have no greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. And if you do what I com- if you do what I commend you do, I shall not call you servants any more, because a servant does not know his master's business. I call you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have learned from my father. You did not choose me, I chose you. I commissioned you to go out and bear fruit that will last. And then the father will give you anything you ask him, you ask him in my name. What I commend you is to love one another. That's the gospel for today. Shame we got about six minutes there. You might be able to give us a short reflection, please. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So this Sunday's gospel, it's a continuation. Well, not a direct continuation, but it's a continuation of a theme, which we had last week, of course, where we listened to John's uh, parable, if you like, or his account of the discourse where Jesus proclaims that he is the vine and we are the branches. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a continuation. It's the same kind of a theme, again, that's presented to us this week. And it's all about relationship. Well, sorry, let me rephrase that. My interpretation of it is it's about relationship. And uh, with the relationship between Jesus and his father, and then between us and Jesus. And I suppose it gives us an opportunity to pause and to think about it. Because, you know, we're, we're six weeks out now from Easter, the drama of Holy Week and the beautiful ceremonies of the Easter Vigil have kind of gone their way for another year. We're almost at the end of Easter tide and facing into ordinary time. And it's just an opportunity for us to pause and reflect, I suppose, uh, on what it means. Because in, if you think about it, Christianity is about God reaching out to humanity in love. You know, as St. John tells us in his letter, Deus character says God is love. God calls us through his son, um, you know, into a relationship with them. And, you know, that was originally, like, if, if the first reading this morning, would, or sorry, sorry, the, 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 if, you, if you go back through the history of the Old Testament, you know, the first calling of Abraham was the introduction uh, of God as the one true God. And it's all the way through in terms of building that relationship and developing that relationship that we that we're called to respond to and the other side of it is of course is that in in saint peter's letter he tells us you know that 
The truth I have come to realize is that God does not have favorites, but anybody of any nationality who fears and does what is right is acceptable to him. And it is that whole idea that, you know, everyone is called to respond to this relationship with God. You know, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. And it is something, I suppose, that we, we, we have to think about. Because I suppose for many people, you know, and particularly maybe older people, the whole thing with, uh, with is that sometimes God is seen as this, you know, white-haired, bearded um, individual uh, sitting up there kind of marking things down on a ledger. And, you know, the rights and the wrongs, and then it'll all be weighed up when we meet him at the pearly gates. And I suppose it's sometimes... While the image of God and judgment is a correct one, not particularly that idea, but that's what's going to happen to us all at the end of our lives. But the more key fundamental thing is to remind ourselves that God loves us and that we are called to respond to that love. It's something that we've said again and again on the program. You know, God is always waiting for us. It's us that have to turn back to him. He never turns away from us. We are the ones that turn away from him. And the other side, of course, is the other thing that comes out of it is having that relationship with God isn't just sufficient. It's not just God and I, but out of that relationship is also the relationship with I and my neighbor. And that is the key, I suppose, the key commandment that comes out of this Sunday's gospel is, you know, my, my, my commandment to you, love one another as I have loved you. And man can have no greater love than to lay down his life for my friends. And you are my friends if I do what you, if you do what I command you. The great, the great command, the great mandatum, do, you know, love one another as I have loved you. In other, in, other, um, in other accounts in the other Gospels, you know, it is a case of they, they record Jesus saying, love one another. But John is the one that has that additional bit, as I have loved you. And that is the challenge, because we are called to love our neighbor as Jesus would love our neighbor. And he reinforces that point because the next thing he says is, you know, no greater love a person can have than to lay down their lives for, for their friends. So, you know, he's reminding us, and, 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 and he was preparing the disciples in this discourse for what was going to happen at Calvary. And as we hear it on a Sunday, and we hear it this Sunday in Easter, it's a reminder to us that we are called to live and respond and be engaged in relationship with others as Jesus was, which is, it's a huge challenge. There's no, you know, it's not easy to say it. Christianity is not easy. Christianity is not simple. And those of, you know, and it's a challenge to us. And if we think we're comfortable with it, chances are we're missing something. And that's the whole point. The whole challenge that's there for us each week. You know, it's going back to that gospel again last Sunday, which talked about the vine and the vine needing to be pruned. You know, vines are rarely magnificent on their own. If you see a vine, if you're in a control of a vineyard, they're not the most beautiful looking plants and they require careful pruning and tending so that they will give fruit and be of great use, you know, and, you know, it's, but it's a reminder to us that that kind of is our relationship with God as well. That, that challenge is there. We are pruned, if you like, in our lives so that we can bear much fruit. John? Okay, I, I was at Lecture Divina there, uh, as usual, with Father Frank Duick on Monday night, 8.15 to 9.15 in the Pastoral Centre in Newcastle West. I'd invite anybody who can make that make that hour. It's a beautiful hour where Father Frank breaks open the Gospel for us each week and sees how it applies to our own lives. This particular week, that, that, that came up, Shane, you know, the idea about loving one another. Uh, and, and we're saying, well, you know, that's not always easy. But Father Frank 
broke that down a little bit. And he said there's such a thing as natural love and supernatural love. On our own bat, we can't do it. But with supernatural love, with a gift from God, God gives us the grace to be able to see uh, see our relationship with somebody else in a different way than a natural sort of a way. To, le- to, to see our neighbour in, in, as how God sees that neighbour. And that's a gift. It's a supernatural gift for us. And the only way we can maintain that love for, for anybody else, as he said, is to remain in his love. Remain connected, as you say, Shane. Remain connected with God. Remain connected with Jesus. And that way... We can then, by our fruit, by our joy, by our able to stay connected with that, we can be able to go out and do the best we can with our neighbour, which is show God's love. That's what it's all about. It's showing God's love to our neighbour. A challenging gospel, but one that we should have hope in, in that the Lord is always there, Jesus is always there in his word to help us out. We're not left alone. So that about brings us to the end of uh, our programme this week. We hope you enjoyed especially uh, part two of the programme there where we had those lovely reflections, those Marian reflections, and, of course, Mary Keaton again um, sharing with us those lovely thoughts about Mary, her mother, and so on and so forth. So, Shane, we've come to the end of another programme. Next week we go to take a slightly different tack. You decided that we would have a chat with Father Martin Brown from Glenstall. Yes, so next week's programme, yes. So what we've done, we've invited Father Martin on to talk about ecumenism. Now, yeah, I kind of asked, uh, the way I said it to Martin was, I said, take the idiot's guide to ecumenism, because some of us don't know what it means, including me. I put my hand up straight away. What it means, what it is, why we have to do it, and why it's so important. And so Martin is, uh, he works in that field, he has studied in that field, and so he's going to come on and he's going to he's going to take us through what it's all about. And so that's 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 next next Sunday, uh, hopefully. And following that, that, the following week, two weeks time, a very important date for people to uh, stay in touch, remain in touch with Sacred Space, because we are going to repeat again a beautiful uh, reflection that Bishop Donald Murray gave with us a number of years ago. Actually, I think it was 2012, I think, or 2015. Um, an informed conscience. But more about that it, next week. Yeah, yeah, Indeed, yeah. But in the meantime, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, we'll go out with a favourite of everybody's this morning. Um, for those people who stay connected with Mary and have had Mary as being their mother and their friend all the way through their lives, this one is a favourite by everybody's. It's by Diana Rosemary Scanlon, and of course it's entitled Our Lady of Knock. So to next week, from Shane, self and Shane, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye.
Here I stand with your the teacher. 